0: This week, we talk about how Rick can structure a compensation plan with his first hire to make them feel like a true partner. Most startups give equity, but that isn't a very compelling perk for a company that doesn't plan on exiting. Let's go. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. I'm Rick. I run a software enabled services company called Leg Up Health.
1: What's up this week, Tyler?
0: I got a lot of stuff going on, but a lot of good stuff.
1: Um, Did you find that the two-week break is different than the one-week break in yes, terms of so. topic accumulation?
0: Yeah. I, I, Right before we talked today, I went in and deleted a bunch of topics because my list is like too long. <laughs> <laughs> I also I have one thing on here that – well, I'll just start with this since you asked. I, one of my topics – I'll just read exactly what, what my note says. Feeling a bit overwhelmed, hiring – I mentioned a few things, which I'll provide context on in a second but then excited for things to calm down. I put this on the list like 13 days ago, uh, and things are totally calm now. And I had one of the calmest weeks in recent memory. And so it's just completely irrelevant now.
1: <laughs> wow. So
0: interesting. So pot-
1: potentially this new cadence could like, you could have a problem and then it gets solved before we record.
0: Yeah, potentially. I don't know. How How did it feel to you having the, the two weeks in between?
1: Given that I'm not fully focused, um, uh, you know, on leg up health and this is more of a side thing. Um, I didn't, it was really nice actually cause I didn't feel pressure to come up with anything. It just kind of worked out perfect.
0: Yeah. I expect I'll be bringing more, more topics than you most of these weeks, huh? Yeah,
1: probably. (laughs) I got a big one today though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It looks like it could be a a deep dive type of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, well before we get into that, maybe I'll give some, some shorter updates. So one thing, uh, we were supposed to meet up for an in-person conference in the spring of 2020. We were both going to go to MicroConf for the first time ever, uh, and it obviously got canceled because of the pandemic. Um I'm thinking about I I've really never been to a conference that I actually gave a shit about at all. Uh, I I'm thinking about going to Founder Summit in the fall uh of this year. What's
1: Founder Summit?
0: It's basically MicroConf but put on by Calm Capital and Huh. calm company fund sorry uh instead of you know microconf is kind of put on by tiny seed I, I there's like a whole history behind these where th- that's not how it works but that's my basic summary of it
1: <laughs> well you had me at Asheville. that's an hour away from my family's lake house
0: yeah i assume you've i i'm actually meant to ask you like is cool, cool place oh yeah place it's like super
1: awesome like uh i haven't been there in a while but um the the brewery scene I've heard has really blown up, and it's mm-hmm. it's kind of like a big Park City resort town kind of thing. Um, but uh, man, yeah, beautiful beautiful area. Um, yeah, I, is it open to anyone, or is it like investors only? What's the situation?
0: It's currently it's public information, but they're just kind of accepting like applications right now, I guess. But um, I think if you're an investor or one of the companies that uh, they've invested in. I don't think they're going to reject me if I Yeah, they better <laughs> I not. Go. <laughs> um but yeah, I, they they had the First Founder Summit last year in Mexico or in 20, well last year or two years ago in Mexico and it, it was also the first one was canceled because of covid. Yeah, so it must have been last year then they had a real one but I I didn't go cuz of covid, but I I want to go. That's awesome. Yeah, unfortunately it's right I have two weddings uh right around then to go to, so I'm not sure if I will just for that.
1: It's uh that Back to back to back weeks of travel can get exhausting.
0: Don't love it, especially after not traveling very much
1: for you, a while. You had a six, September date on here, and then it looks like now it's October. Did it change?
0: Yeah. So if it was originally going to be September 6th, which was perfect for me. I, I almost definitely would have gone. Now I'm. It's like not a great time, but. Uh, well,
1: man, I was going to say like if you went in September, I would plan a North Carolina trip, and that's like the best boating uh, weather. Cause the, mm. the lake is super warm. There's no one there because the kids have gone back. Like a lot of people have gone back to school and, uh, that would have been a great time to come like <laughs> at an spend extended couple of days and come to the lake house.
0: I didn't need to hear that. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's cool. P- people should check it out. If you're itching for a, a conference, I, I think they do things a little differently from like, I, I think of a conference still as like, you go sit and watch a speaker talk. And then there's like the, Interactions in between speaks, speakers, but like I think this is like a lot less about speakers and a lot more about activities and like just hanging out with people and, and forming connections.
1: Those are the best ones. You, if you can just develop one or two really solid relationships out of that, it's totally worth the trip.
0: Yeah. I'm always guilty about like, should the company pay for this? Or I, in the past, I've like what I was going to do with MicroConf is like the company would pay for my ticket, but then I would pay for. The stuff, I don't know, it's like splitting. What's your everything. concern? Just like if an employee of mine was like, can I go do th-? We d- We do have a budget for employees to like apply for professional development opportunities. But um, someone has to approve, I have to approve it. And like, I just feel like kind of a power trip being like, ah, I want to go to this thing. And it's uh, like Shelly might fly out for the last two days, like like to stay two days afterwards. So it's like, it's not purely a professional, like a business expense, you know?
1: You're the you I, you You're the I'm founder stupid. CEO. I think it's okay.
0: <laughs> you know why I feel this way. You and I used to work at Zane Benefits together, and um, for the first year we were there, they hired a bunch of more senior people above us, and I hated the way they abused their power. Um, like they would always plan their meetings during lunchtime. So, oh, the company's going to buy me lunch, and I was like, the company's not. You make five times what I do, and the company's not buying me lunch. <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> I still hate it. I'm still mad about that. <laughs>
1: It's funny how past experiences shape future behavior. Yeah, for
0: sure. Anyway, um, <laughs> should I keep going, uh, with updates before, like, should we save yours for last? Just cause you've got. a well, big no, one, I, or Do you want to go? This, uh,
1: there's, this one's, um, kind of a small one, but like, uh, JD and I have been thinking about our longer term strategy. Our, our driving goal for the year is to get to 400 clients, which is, um, would put us roughly at 200 K plus, uh, mm-hmm. in annual occurring revenue. Um, be a great place to end the year. But um, a couple of s- strategies we're employing um, to do that. One, we're going to reach out to people directly and just do some basic you know, spam, uh, spamming of people on social media and uh, <laughs> you know, email for lack of a better word, but hopefully it'll be thoughtful and well-received. Um, second, uh, we're going to-
0: Personalized one-on-one outreach, yeah, yes, right? Yes. Okay. That.
1: <laughs> Market research is what we're going to call it. Um, but the Uh, The second thing we're going to do is we're going to target some employers um, and see, you know, explore employee referral relationships. Um, And then third, uh, the the experiments we're running uh, is through part identifying organizations, um, mission driven organizations uh, in Utah that group together entrepreneurs or ideal customer profiles for us. Um, And so we've identified a list of 100 or so organizations like this. Um, one example uh, is like the Utah Independent Business Association. Um, another is um, something related to like, uh, like plumbing, like the plumber association of Utah, um, all kinds of different, like small business, vertical trade industries. Um, one, uh, one, uh, we already signed a, par- a partnership deal with, um, and, and the, kind of taking a step back here is you can, you can become a member of these organizations and sort of participate. Or you can take, um, a lot of the ways these organizations make money is you can choose to sponsor them, um, and pay a couple thousand dollars or a hundred dollars or whatever it is. And they'll give you opportunities to market to their constituents. Um, which is a pretty important opportunity for us because, you know, if you think about plumbers, many plumbers are on their own in terms of buying their own health insurance. And we have the opportunity through an affinity brand to market. Two plumbers with a very, uh, custom message that's endorsed by an association that they trust, we should be able to, you know, make that work. Um, yeah. so anyway, we, um, we signed our first sponsorship deal, um, with an old organization I used to work with called Pando labs, which is youth, uh, park pandos is park City's entrepreneurial community. Um, and we did some analysis and we realized that 10 of our 50 clients have associations with Pando labs. <laughs> and they have 150 members growing. And so we're like, this is a no-brainer. We're going to go sponsor Pano Labs. And just because we already have 10 clients there, uh, and, yeah. you know, it made, so it's a no-brainer. Anyway, I awesome. thought that was interesting.
0: Yeah, because, well, I was going to say, we've done a little bit of this with Lesson Wings here. I'm probably not. I don't think we are in as good of a position as you to like really target it, because you've got, like, it's in Utah. You can just be a little more targeted than us. But we've tried, rechanted various place, uh, associations, things like that the The ones we've had the most success with are when someone gets up on stage and says, "I use less annoying CRM. It changed my business. Like, go there right now. sign up for a free trial. don't don't evaluate it. Go sign up for a free trial right now. You can evaluate it during your thirty day free trial, but you're going to forget if you don't do it right now. And they'll like, in an at an event, they make fifty people go sign up for a free trial. That's what's worked best for us.
1: That makes so sen- so much sense, and um, I'm realizing that re- we, JD and I were thinking like, okay, what should now that we've paid for the sponsorship, which was no small investment, like it was a, it's significant. Um, I think it was two thousand uh, uh-huh. dollars. I mean, that's big money for us right now. Um, but uh, you know, to to get that paid back, we need like ten, 10 more clients. Uh-huh. So, which isn't unfathomable, and if you multiply that, in, you know, times. Get to a four hundred. It's like wow, we can step our way to four hundred clients this year, pretty controllably if this works. But yeah, like if we're at an event, instead of like you know making it about what we do, it's about who uses us. That's already a member of Pando versus like what we do.
0: Especially because if you go to these events, or it's the same. Like I, you know, I listen to some podcasts that have sponsors. I don't, I don't listen to whatever it is. Right. I'm like there. You have an ad at the beginning. I ignore it for thirty seconds or skip it. Uh, It's really different to sponsor it. I, I, I support you sponsoring. You have to sponsor it in order to kind of get permission to do the rest of it. But having the person who's already a member say, I use this is just so much more powerful. So it's great that you kind of found yourself in a position where you've already got those 10 people.
1: Yeah, it's, it, yeah, totally. Um, and maybe that's the strategy for uh, other sponsorships. It's, you know, we become a member first. And then once we have some number of members, other members who are clients, then we upgrade to a sponsorship and, Yeah, you know, like land and expand kind of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, But it's exciting to be moving forward on the marketing front. Uh, Even though it's like my contribution here is primarily financial. um, JD's doing all the work and like he's, it's his, it's his ideas to kind of push this. So it's, it's cool um, to be moving forward like this. That's great. It's,
0: it's just so, so cool. when people do things without you, you you know, when, when someone else has an idea and then executes on the idea and you're just like, all right, yeah, I was just sitting here the whole time. <laughs>
1: totally. And wh- uh, one other cool thing is, I'm, you know, he's he's talked to a couple of other associations this week, and um, I'm not sure what I can share, so I won't be in, in detail. And I need to get in future, I'll get more clarity on what I can talk about, what I can't. Um, but uh, you know, just some of the conversations, like one one organization he reached out to has an existing initiative related to improving Utah-based uh, regulations around marketplace health insurance, wow. and so it's like. Uh, we, yes. An advocacy opportunity we can partner with you on. Um, how much do we pay to be involved in this? Like, yeah. Oh no, you, you just, will take our help for like, we don't have to pay. Great. Let's start. Yeah. doesn't um, get much
0: more targeted than that. <laughs> yes. Uh,
1: so anyway, um, that's cool. Lots, lots of good stuff happening.
0: Um, so for me, uh, the main thing is actually, again, this was update was from 10 days ago when I was spending more time on it, but we're doing a lot of hiring at less annoying serum right now. Uh, that may sound like we're growing a lot. That's not the case, but, Two people left, so we need to replace them. So we've got two full time positions, but then we're also starting to hire for um, summer. Like we've got four ish internships to hire for, and then four to six uh, coding fellows. So that's just a lot of hiring to do all at once. Normally we would have done some in the fall, but we didn't because we, were, you know, with COVID, we're like, is the office even going to be open? I don't. know. We still don't know that, but like, you got to, you got to recruit at some point. So anyway, just lots of stuff going on, and Robert, the lead uh, engineer, posted the job listing on this like kind of nerdy technical site. Like you have to submit a GitHub pull request to get it like up on the website. We this was I don't want to say it was a mistake, but we were not ready for the volume of applications we got from this. Like we got hundred in two days or something, and had to like take the thing down because we just don't have the ability to evaluate all these people. Yeah, that's so funny because I, I, at Windfall, I'm like in
1: charge of town acquisition and like yeah. we would kill for 100 applications.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're probably not very qualified. So yeah. th- one of the problems is we we aren't hiring remotely. So like mm. we're in St. Louis and this is like a national job board. And the hope was like, well, it says it's in St. Louis and there are filters and stuff on this website. So hopefully people are filtering. But I think every single application was from someone outside St. Louis. Mm. And it's like, you know, they and we emailed them. We're like you get you'd have to move here and they're like yes but it's not the most targeted group
1: unfortunately mm. okay yeah it's it can be pretty frustrating to, to
0: to properly evaluate an application you have to it's about
1: 2 to 3 minutes per application that's no like that's 2 hours of work that you just created
0: yeah. um and yeah i think we're probably doing more than 2 to 3 cuz like we're reaching out to every single one of them and being like you, oh. Will you confirm that you're in St- That you're willing to move to St. Louis before we even continue here? Oh wow! Uh, <laughs>
1: okay. Yeah, so you're you're taking extra time per application, way more than what the typical company
0: does. Yeah, we have someone on our team, Emily, who's just like a rock star at this. Like she's just like if she has a process to follow, she, she and she loves it. She's just like churning through these things, but it, it is time consuming. Um, it's really hard to hire our normal way right now because there are no in person career fairs. And like, normally that would be a pretty big source of interns is you go to a college career fair and we, they do virtual ones, but they just don't work in my experience. I don't know. Have you done, you said you're doing talent acquisition. Have you done any career fair stuff?
1: We don't do, um, much, uh, college level recruiting. Um, mm-hmm. although I think that will be something we do in the future, um, especially business school programs and maybe like, uh, we, data science is a really important function. Um, that we've also probably do a lot of uh, PhD programs, but, um, not, not yet.
0: Yeah. I mean, for a really high growth company, you probably can't like hiring a college student, especially for an internship. It's like it might be two years before you see returns on that. Um, Yeah. Makes sense. You should only do that after you're at a kind of more stable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's in in remote. You know, we've talked about this in the past, but when you're
1: hiring remote workers, it's much harder to hire someone out of college for that because you, you they need more coaching that is harder to do on a remote basis.
0: Yeah. I think that might have changed a little. I, I think that's still mostly true, but because colleges have all been at least doing some remote, I do think younger people have experience with that now and they kind of know the etiquette and Zoom and all that. But I think aside from needing it, they want it. Mm. If you're twenty-two years old and you just graduated college, do you you're not like, Let's move to the suburbs and I never want to meet my coworkers. You're like, I'm I'm not I need to go meet someone that I can marry one day, you know? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, there's lots of uh, yeah, exactly, priorities are different.
0: Yeah. Um but so so what like what, so
1: are you done with this or are you like what what's the state of your hiring? Are you 80% done? Uh,
0: we've we've not hired anyone. I shouldn't say. We hired a couple people through like we already knew them so we didn't have to do the full interview, but we've we've not hired anyone through the recruiting mm. effort we're doing right now. I am kind of on the two end, the, the the book end of both. Like we start it, and I'm involved in like let's plan it, make sure we're, you know, what's the strategy here. And then this is kind of cool, like a cool sign of growth for the company. That then I step away, and it's like other people do work, leads come in, and all that. And then I'm normally involved in the final round interview. Uh, so I'm going to have a lot of interviewing a month from now. But for now, I'm like it's mostly off my plate. Not cool. Except the coding fellowship, which um, I'm doing all the interviewing because I'm like running it this summer. So, if we get a lot of applicants there, I'm going to be very busy. That's
1: awesome, though. That I like what your the switch you made to that this year is that you're going after people with coding experience versus people who haven't oh have no idea how to code. And that, I think that's a huge
0: improvement. That'll make it more fun for you too. I think. I think it will, and it, oh, it'll make interviewing so much easier because interviewing someone who has never coded at all in in terms of will they be a good coder, pretty tricky thing to do. Uh, whereas someone who started learning how to code, it's a lot easier to be like, "All right, all right, can you do it?"
1: <laughs> yeah, here's an assessment. Take it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, next up on my list here, I think I mentioned this in our last episode, but we have uh, we we were talking about and have now finalized uh, some changes to the Thriving Wage. Did we talk about this? We didn't. Um, okay, so uh, context for people who don't know, Thriving Wage is a term that uh, we use at Less Knowing Serum. It's kind of like a play off the idea of a living wage. You know, some people say. Companies should pay employees enough that they can survive. I think that's a pretty low bar. Um, a company that's profitable and like, making enough money should pay employees enough to thrive. So the thriving wage is the lowest amount we will pay any employee regardless of what they do. It's not about their, their value to the company or market rate or anything like that. It's just like, we will not pay anybody less than that. If your market rate's above it, we'll pay above it. Um, so in the early days, we set the thriving wage as it starts at $50,000 a year. Which it, And keep in mind, we're in St. Louis, 50000 goes further than it does on the coast. Um, and you get a guaranteed $10,000 a year raise for your first seven years, so up to one hundred and twenty. So that's what it was. So basically, every, all the customer service people and in particular are on the thriving wage. And so that was what we paid customer service people. With me so far? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um plus
1: 50K and then you got 10K per raises for seven years. Yes. Up to 120K um, that's total. Right. Now the,
0: yeah. the 50K every month we adjust it for cost of living. So I think it's like fifty seven thousand a year now because this was years ago that we set that. But um yes. Uh so basically the idea just came up that um that's really backloaded. Like it's it's very expensive for the company, but a lot of employees still have to go a few years where they're you know, fifty-seven k is fine. You can definitely survive on it, but is it really thriving in St. Louis? Not if you have kids, probably. And we're trying to do more, uh, having people work four days if they want to, which they only make eighty percent. And if you eighty percent of that is even less, so we basically said, should we try to front load this more? Um, and so we decided to. We'll see. We're, we're hiring right now, so we'll see how this this goes. But um, the new model is we raise the starting rate by ten thousand, so it's sixty-seven. Instead of $10,000 raises every year, it's $5,000 raises every year indefinitely. So not it doesn't cap out at any point. It's just forever you get $5,000 raises a year.
1: That sounds like a good change. How does it affect existing people um, that have already been with the company for a year?
0: Uh, we offered it to everyone to switch, but I did the math on every. There, there's one person who started very recently. And so she was the only one where it's like, which one do you, like for everyone else? It's like. You're already past the point where you would have benefited from this new approach, and now you're on the backloaded part. So I was like, you can switch if you want, but I did the math and you shouldn't, basically. <laughs> so that's I didn't hear anything from anyone on that. Uh, but the, the new hire did um, did decide to. So, And that, to me, was a big... I was waffling back and forth on whether to do this, but the fact that she wanted to switch, to me, was like, that's oh. a pretty good sign that this is more appealing to people. Yep. Totally. Um, yeah. So... I don't know that I have any other really takeaways for that from that aside from this felt like a really like important part of the company. And I, I like changing stuff sometimes just to like, you know, break the crust off and remember that we can change stuff.
1: Yeah. And not, not just, I don't, it sounds like this wasn't just a change. It was a significant improvement.
0: Yeah. I, I think it was, it was like a two step forward, one step back type of thing. Like it's worse in some ways, um, but it's better in most ways. I think it's good. I also like the simplicity of not capping it out, where it's like we we just started having people hit the the 120 whatever thousand, and it's it's a lot less satisfying being like, well, your one year anniversary hit, we'll give you a cost of living adjustment, and fun. <laughs> uh, so now we just get to 5k every year forever. Yep. Um. All right, I'm not sure if I want to talk about this next one yet. It's let's let's move on, and I may come back to it, but it's it's not time sensitive, so. We well, I've it. got,
1: um, you know, I had a really interesting demo today. I, every time I see a use case for async video, I just get excited. Yeah. This has been true for about a year and a half now. And I don't know th- what that's telling me, uh, that maybe I should be doing something with that. But anyway, I'm um, reconnected with a former colleague from Zane Benefits People Keep Days, who's now the uh, head of engineering for a company um, uh, called Video Peel, which is a Utah-based venture-backed company that does video testimonials. And it's basically what they've built is like a, f- a form uh, builder for video testimonials to be submitted or any type of testimonial, but primarily video being the use case. And then a way to embed displaying those video testimonials on your website. That's an oversimplified simplified version of this. But um, for a company like LegUp Health, where it's a very transactional service uh, you know, sale, but highly emotionally complex, where trust is very important, it's, it's, a, it's not... Um, like we need validation, uh, third-party validation. I thought maybe video, uh, video testimonials would be a good idea for, um, for us in terms of helping with you know building trust with a potential new client and increasing the likelihood that they would make us the agent on their existing mm-hmm. health insurance plan. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I guess and shout out. Like it was cool to learn about async video, another async video use case. And um, but like, if, I'm, I guess my worry, my 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 reason I'm sort of down on it is it seems like some people would be less likely to it seems like a big ask to ask someone to record a video of themselves for your marketing purposes.
0: Yeah, um so before I d- dive right into that I just want to mention another product that does this, um testimonial.to. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with them. Sounds like mm. basically the same idea but maybe like a little less enterprisey, like I think it's more plug and play from based on what you said. Um and made just dis- disclosure made by a uh, Calm Company Fund Company, which I'm an mm. investor in. Um, yeah, I. So my experience here is I have given a testimonial with testimonial debt to what do you say T-O-2? to yep. to uh, to for Calm Company Fund. So lots of it's very incestuous. What's going on? Mm-hmm. But yes, it is. I, I I loved it. I was very happy to do it because I'm a, I'm a big believer in what they're doing and stuff. I don't think. You, so your concern is that it's too much work. Like it's too I, big of an ask. No, I, no, I think it's, I, I just, part of the reason
1: async video isn't where it could be is people are uncomfortable sharing video of themselves. Mm. So I, I feel like for every, for you, like you're on the front end of most tech um, mm-hmm. and, and you and I are both on the front end of like async video adoption. Um, but like asking a, an everyday leg up health client to do a video, Testimonial seems like a big ask. We're not. I like- think
0: you might be surprised by that. Um, really, I, I my I think the last couple of years has, has has really changed a lot, and th- here's why I say that. We use this product called Demo Desk to do our phone calls with customers. Like any schedule, not th- they can call us inbound over the phone, but if they schedule something, it's always on Demo Desk. Um, Demo Desk is. I love the product, but something really annoying about it is it prompts everyone to like turn on their video, and we're not trying to do video stuff with our customers. Uh, they, the customers turn their video on all the time for these Mm -hmm. calls where our video is not on. We don't turn ours on, but theirs is, uh, and to the point where like, I've, I've started being like, people are just way more comfortable with it now than they used to be.
1: Okay. Well, maybe, um, it seems like something worth testing. Um, but like at some point, how many of these do you need to have in order for it to be not weird?
0: Like not like too few. So I, I put, Oh, Oh, um. I don't think you need that many because okay. I-, I was actually going to go the other direction. Once you have more than a few, like someone's not going to go in and watch 20 video testimonials, yeah. I don't think.
1: What's the minimum number?
0: One. I, so it, there are probably different ways to display it. Like, again, Testimony.to has like the wall of love is what they call like lots. Like it's a wall of all of these testimonials. But you just wouldn't embed that view. You'd embed like, here's my homepage with one video testimonial.
1: I don't think that would be weird at all. Okay. Well, now you're getting me excited about this again. I went from like, <laughs> this is super exciting to, oh man, this is going to be like more complex than I thought it was going to be. Now I'm back up to this is going to work.
0: Yeah, I think it could. Now here's, I, I thought about doing this for less serum and here's why we didn't. So we, we ask a lot of people for reviews. This is one thing I'll just say, if you're, uh, running a business and you're feeling like, oh, this is a big ask. Should I do it? Like, this is the one way we're comfortable being annoying. You just have to ask your customers to to review you publicly like that's so important, but we want it on third party sites because that that way you don't just get the review but you also get this kind of like distribution through you know G2 or captera or one of those sites and they do uh, have video testimonials there, but that's why we aren't doing this is we don't want to we don't want to invest in just having reviews on our own site but like it, it would-
1: I agree um, that reviews on third party sites are probably more valuable, but like for two or three people, if you get like, why not?
0: You're right. Yeah. The
1: value of like two or three of these is probably worth more than two or three G2 crowds that you would miss out on.
0: Yeah, you're probably right. Um, Probably both, right? You should probably have, like we have hundreds of reviews on G2 and then uh, probably on our homepage having a couple video testimonials would be nice as well.
1: Yeah. I, w- I wonder what it would add though. You're pretty well like social proofed, um, you know, with your current
0: layout. Yeah. It's, it's more engaging though. I'll, I'll say, so G2 at one point just started, they, they solicit video reviews without, we didn't even realize it. And I went on and like watched one. And I was just like, wow, it, it is so much more powerful. Like I, I like kind of choked up a little watching it. I was like, this person's just saying nice things about my business. It's incredible. <laughs> it's so different from reading a text review.
1: Oh, wow. Okay, cool.
0: So anyway, I I like the idea. I think you should go for it. These it's are expensive it. though.
1: Yeah. Like I thought I couldn't believe how expensive the, the software was.
0: Yes, it's 70 bucks a month for video yeah. peel. Yeah.
1: And I mean, testimonial too isn't, I think it's like 60 bucks. It's right there too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um it that's a you know, with SaaS pricing, everyone's like, well, you know, all they have to do is get one customer and it's worth it. And it's like, yeah, but if I've got 25 SaaS products and they're all 50 bucks a month. I don't know. It adds up quick. Um, all right. I've got a funny story for you, or I think it's funny anyway. So this all happened yesterday. Uh, do you use Ahrefs or Ahrefs? I don't know mm-hmm. what to call it. So one of the features that I love is they email you periodically with like new inbound links to your website which yep. is so cool, right? Like seeing, it's just like a list. I never log in to Hrefs. I just get these emails and enjoy them. Um, so I got, I got that email. Uh, one of the links caught my eye because it was from a podcast called um, UI Breakfast, uh, which I don't, I'm not like a super regular listener to, but I, I have listened to it. I know of it. Uh, it's like, it's not like a super major podcast, but it's, it's legit. And I was like, oh, cool. They talked about less serum on this. And then I was like, oh, wait, no. This is a podcast about design. And like, I doubt professional designers are talking kindly about our design. <laughs>
1: so what did? It, well, do you know what the reference was?
0: Yeah, so I went and listened to it. Um, Jane Portman is the host of UI Breakfast, and she has a guest on each time. And Brian Lovin, who's a designer at GitHub, I, I had not heard of him before, but I guess he's a fairly well-known, uh, well-respected guy. At the very end of the podcast. uh, So I listened to the whole thing. And at the very end, she's like, I'm probably gonna paraphrase this wrong, but something along the lines of she's like, so like, does does design even matter? Like, what role does it play? And he's like, Well, I I wanna say it matters, but there are companies that are just ugly, that are doing great. And like off the top of my head, less annoying serum is one of these companies. Like, I don't know how they (laughs) they they figured out something customers want, but it does not look good.
1: (laughs) Did it hurt your feelings at all, or is it like a, a kind of a pride? Prideful moment. Uh
0: I was pr- anytime anyone talks about Less Knowing Serum, I'm like, you've heard of us? Oh, amazing. Uh but and he he was a little kinder than that because he did kind of say like business is about providing something customers want, and obviously less annoying serum doing that. It's just like when you look at it, y- you know, your first impression's not great. Uh which he's absolutely <laughs> right about. I I I agree with him. But so then, check this out. So I I th- I thought it was entertaining. I looked him up on Twitter because so first, I had, I had a few realizations right then because he mentioned at the end, he's like, oh, "I have my own podcast." I talked two weeks ago when we set our goals for this year. I was like, "I want to become a better designer," and like, I bought a course that I'm like very, very slowly going through and stuff. Didn't occur to me li- like follow designers on Twitter and listen to podcasts from designers. Like, of course I should be doing that. I, d- I do that with everything else I want to learn about. You know what
1: though? Um, that's exactly what happened to me when I decided I wanted to get better at JavaScript is I signed up for a course and then I realized, Oh wait, I need to be supplementing this with twi- following people on Twitter and listening to mm-hmm. podcasts. But it was the course that drove that because it was like, it's supplemental. It's not the forcing function itself. Yeah. So you, I don't know that it, it'd be interested. Do you think that if you just followed the designers and started listening to podcasts, it would be the same as investing in a course?
0: It certainly wouldn't be the same. Here's the trouble I'm having with this course on other courses I've tried is like, I have a lot of experience with design. I may not be good at it, but I have a lot of experience. And so I'm just trudging through all this shit that I already know, hoping at the end they'll get to some other stuff. A, night, a really great thing about following, like this is a podcast for other professional designers and they just skip right to the advanced mm. stuff. So it's definitely not the same. I think you're right. It's supplemental. But I think there's a good chance this course fails for me but that following the right people works for me.
1: Yeah. Like when you're, when you're learning something for the first time, the course is really important when you're looking for inspiration and like uh, going from really, really good to expert. That's a whole nother uh, approach. Yeah. I'll be very interested to hear whether the course does something for you or you go like, wow, I should have just been following people on Twitter and listening to podcasts this whole time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, like learning to code, well, not learn. I learned to code in school, but being, becoming a coder, like you and I worked with Ben Diltz. He taught me a whole lot. He, he's the founder of Lucidchart. Uh, then I moved to San Francisco and a bunch of my friends were software engineers at Google and Facebook and places like that. And I just, just like hanging out at the bar and talking to them and hearing their stories. Like that's a great way to level up. And I, I don't have that. I love living in St. Louis, but there's just not that level of like top tier tech people.
1: Yeah, and what people take for granted is it's really hard to level up on, by being a fly on the wall in those conversations until you have a base level mm-hmm. understanding, and that's the course gets you to the base level so that you can be a fly on the wall. I, I could I like, like I, I remember I was listening to Syntax, uh, is it Syntax FM? Is that mm-hmm. what it's called? I remember trying to listen to that podcast a year ago and going, I don't know what this is, what they're talking about, and then now I can listen it and follow it and under like follow the conversation because of the base I built. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, what, um, do you have any other, uh,
0: ransom shout outs you want to do? Well, I've, I've got more on the same one. The story. Oh not my gosh. Yet. Okay. <laughs> so I have been thinking for months cause I've been working on this redesign that I'm calling like version three point Uh, I've been working on it and like, I, I think it looks a lot better than the old version of the site, but I can tell like, it's still not, it's not all the way there. And I've been thinking, I just need like, if I had a friend who is a great designer, or, like, I want like five of these. I just want to show it to people and have them be like, that spot, that spot, and that spot. Those are the things that look the worst. And then I could spend time on them. So I'm looking at this guy, Brian Lovin's Twitter account, and the, his pinned tweet is, I'm trying a new thing called Crit, where it's like a small fee. And I'm just going to, I'm not going to like design anything for you. I'm just going to like critique a design you have. And so the same day I found out this guy was talking shit about us on this podcast, <laughs> I become a client of his. <laughs>
1: Has he replied to your request?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I I DM'd him because what I want is a little, normally he does like kind of a whole holistic like usability and all this stuff. And I I DM'd him and I was like, I want this critique thing, but I only want visual design. Like I'm not moving anything. I'm not changing any buttons. I'm not changing any of the copy. I'm just making corners rounded and changing colors and stuff like that. And he was like, great. Yeah, let's do it. So uh, we haven't, we have a call scheduled for mid February, but so I haven't like, Talked to him live yet, but uh, yeah, I'm now a client of his, um, because he he talks about us. <laughs>
1: so, who should we talk shit about today on this podcast? Yeah, who clients of client. ours, <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, so I thought that was funny, that's but that's
1: so perfect. Like, maybe that's better than a course too or a podcast. It's paying people for consulting to give you advice.
0: Yeah, I've done way too little of this. I think when you when you look at other like kind of bootstrapped indie hacker type people that just like seem to get almost an, un- like an unbelievable amount of stuff done with by themselves or with a very small team, what they're always so good at is outsourcing stuff. And my approach is always be- because like team building is one of the main things I enjoy, my solution's always like hire a full time employee, which means if we don't have the budget for a full time person, I just get nothing. Um, so yeah, I think I think this could be a I need to do more of this in the future.
1: There's a significant difference between um, a team member and a coach mm-hmm. and like a coach, like that's what you really want here is a team of coaches um, sitting around you like making you a better designer. Yeah. That's and how much will you, are you willing to pay
0: for that? What's your budget I mean, for lot. coaching? Um, that's, I I mean, I certainly haven't thought about it. I'm, I'm this particular engagement is going to cost $5,000 Um
1: That seems so worth it. I mean, then if you took this to your employees and said, where do you guys need coaching? Yeah, right. And And what budget do you need for your coaching efforts?
0: We've started doing this a little bit with DevOps. Like my brother handles DevOps and he's very good at it, but he's never done it. He's never even had like, like for me coding, I worked at a tech company. He's never even done that before. Um, And so, yeah, he's like starting to get dabble with talking to consultants and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, we could do, we could definitely do more of that.
1: Food for thought. Yeah, for sure. Um, I like it. So uh, do you have any more and shout outs I do, but I feel like I'm dominating here. So if you got anything else, go I've for it. I've got the big topic. So um, d- are you good to go into that?
0: Yeah, let's let's go into it.
1: Okay. So um, JD um, and I are in discussions. I may have mentioned this on the last podcast, um, on the last episode, but we are in discussions uh, to bring him on, have him go full-time on Leg of Health, um, which is requiring... A conversation around like compensation. And I like your approach to compensation. Like if, if he wants to, sh- if JD wants to share it, great. I'm not going to share those details, but we're pretty aligned on like what year one compensation looks like and how that could ramp up over time. Um, but I don't know if you remember this, but we had a conversation on this podcast in 2020 when I was, fir- or 2020, I, I think it was 2020. Cause when I was first conceiving leg up health, and I was like, dry, like trying to figure out how to like make the website uh, around my beta clients, mm-hmm. and I was like worried about this, um, how to recruit a partner, and I, I I went back and listened to the episode uh, today on my walk, and first of all, like I was so much more abrasive on this podcast than I think I am now, and I was like, it was like <laughs> painful to listen to myself be just like annoyingly like, uh, I don't know what the right word is, like just abrasive.
0: I hate um, listening to old, old me. Yeah.
1: Old, old me was, was not, I was disappointed in. Um, but, but, uh, and you were trying to t- tell me stuff and I was just like, like grilling you with questions <laughs> and not listening to anything you were saying. But like, I was like, I was like, shut up, Rick, like let him talk. Uh, Cause I wanted to hear like the details of your partnership program. Um, anyway, uh, do not go listen to that episode. It's embarrassing. Um, if you're listening to this, um, I thought we could, um, but we left the episode with you saying when you get to the point when you actually need to bring on a partner, why don't we revisit this and dive into the details again? Mm-hmm. So I'd like to do that. Um, and the situation is real simple. Like it's a, this is not a company that I want, like makes sense to give equity shares for, um, but I do want uh, JD to have the feeling of being a partner, the feeling of being um, an owner of the future of the company, uh, the the, feel, he, the real upside um, and potential but I, but I don't want like there to be like this formal equity thing with expectation of around, around like exit um, and that sort of thing. And so um, we, uh, I just I read I re- revisited slicing the pie, and it, I think that guy um, in that book brings out some really good I, in point uh, points about how if you set percentages and try to dice the pie up too early, it can backfire because people get greedy or feel like it's unfair when, once you've actually realize what you've built. Um, So we may still be too early at Legup Health to properly divvy up like what a profit share might look like. Mm -hmm. But I would just love to get your take on how JD and I should approach establishing a partnership plan um, in addition to a a strong compensation plan um, that incentivizes like long-term commitment um, over a 10-year period.
0: Yeah. I, I know what your goals are with him like what you hope he achieved. What's, what's your financial goal with the company? Do you think that's a fair question? Um,
1: so the more I think about leg up health, it's, I, I, I've gotten to the point of leg up health where it, if, if, if the problem went away that we're solving, I would just close the business. Like I wouldn't try Mm. to force it. Um, which is a very freeing place to be with it. Uh, so it's very much like a I would love to be in a place where it could support you know it could be my my by day job um and I would love to be able to you know grow um and have like team members and it to support jds um life and then yeah I would I would love for it to cash flow millions and millions of dollars a year but like and I guess that would be like the upside scenario is like Cashling millions of dollars a year, but I don't need it to. Um, yeah, I, I could I could start another business that solves that problem if I needed to at a different time. So, I really want um, a company that works um, that uh, you know allow provides a an op- a choice between taking cash out of the business or putting it back in and bringing more people on. Um, so, kind of like I don't know yet. I guess what I want, but I know it's not purely financial.
0: Okay. So the reason I ask is like a lot of what I did at Less Knowing CRM, you could say is stupid, but I don't think was stupid. And it's because I like for like, you know, you know this, but our you know, there's four partners in our arrangement is we just all make the same amount of money. Um, I could certainly look at it and be like, well, I'm the CEO and I was the founder, the head of customer service who wasn't even a founder and isn't currently doing a job that would normally be paid as much CEO. Why is he getting as much as me? I don't fucking care, <laughs> you know, uh, but you know, I think a lot of people wouldn't feel that way. So like, I kind of wanted to get a sense of like how much it's easy. You have a lot of power over JD here. It's easy for you to, It he can't screw you over, but it's really easy for you to screw him over. But it, also your life's easier if you're just like, uh, you know, if I give up a few points more than I needed to, no, no problem. Yeah. So like
1: I, I would definitely So what you're saying is err on the side of generosity and overgiving. Like but at the same time it's like it doesn't matter like I'll fix it later. Like I I'm at the point now where it's like a, if it was it became a problem it's easy well, to fix. Well some of these
0: things might be contractual. Yeah, okay. Um yeah. And then uh, um I had one other thought. Uh, oh, there's
1: yeah. a there's a point there that you're making um mm-hmm. that I want to call out. I think we're not saying it. It is like there's a lot that can go wrong by putting something like this together down the road. And it requires a significant amount of trust yeah. uh, to work through those situations.
0: Yes, I, I totally agree with that. And I want to add on, though, like there are things that people would view as failure that is not failure. Like, oh, the, the company's putting out 20 million a year. I'm only getting five of it. What? Like, why did I give up so much of this? And it's like, you're getting five million a year. Like, what are you complaining about? <laughs> you know, where mm-hmm. I I think it. you need to be much more careful with the cash flow right now because that could ruin the business, but it's not going to ruin the business if you get a little less rich than you could have otherwise when the upside kicks in. I guess that's that's how I look at it anyway. Um, Another thing you mentioned, no equity, like one thing I did that I feel really good about, and I'm actually thinking of double doubling down on it and and doing this with all employees, not just the partners. Uh, we do like some kind of profit sharing thing, but it converts to equity if the company ever. So sold. this,
1: I do want that. So I don't want to create equity, but I yeah. want like phantom. Like I don't want to call it phantom. I hate the word phantom. It sounds evil. Um, <laughs> but like I want to create like this, the the sim- scenario or simulation of equity, so that if the company did transact, it mm-hmm. would convert to equity and it would work out. Now, still in that situation, if we're like, what I want JD always know is like if we're in the situation and it's not right. Like it, we're going to have to
0: figure out how to make it right. Like, right. but, but you like, can always give him more, but th- what this is about is saying, I can't give you less than this. Yes. Um, so I've been thinking about doing this with my, our whole team. Cause the, 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 the older we get, the more I'm like, I'm not selling this thing. And even if I did sell it, I'd probably get like seven to $10 million if, if we sold right now, maybe, uh, like why, why not promise a million of that to other people? Um, given that I think the odds are so low anyway, and just get buy in cuz there's so many cases where i'm asking employees well okay this the mailchimp thing happened while we were on our hiatus do you follow did you follow that i didn't follow it in detail i did follow it at the time but i don't remember the details mailchimp bootstrapped company fully bootstrapped no investors at all uh, and they'd been saying all this the same thing i always say and the same thing you're saying oh we're we're never we have no plans to sell and uh, many employees have come out and been like, they were very public. Maybe they didn't promise they wouldn't sell, but they said, we have no plans to sell. And that's why we don't give out equity. They just sold for $12 billion or whatever. And they gave employees like five figure bonuses, like not big bonuses. Uh, and like a lot of people were pissed about that, right? It would be so easy to just say, if we were to sell, you're taken care of. But I totally agree with your point, but the, the complexity of giving equity right now it's a nightmare because like, Hey, now you have to get lawyer. You have to get lawyers involved either way, but like more complicated lawyer stuff. Um, there's like certain rights that come with equity. Like, can they vote on stuff now? And tax
1: implications, mm-hmm.
0: taxes? Absolutely. Yeah. They might have to pay taxes for unrealized gains at some point, mm-hmm. which sucks for them. So yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in, I, I agree with you that the phantom stock is a weird name, but something like that. Okay. So we're on the same page there. Um, how would you approach having this conversation,
1: knowing what you know mm-hmm. um, about like what you've learned at Less Knowing Serum? Like, I think the difference here is I can't go to JD and say I want to build a company to exit and w- like to take it to the to the to the market. Like, you were in a situation when you first started where you you believed you're going to be this high growth startup. I'm I still, I'm not still that, thought
0: we wouldn't exit.
1: Yeah, but still thought we thought you wouldn't exit. I'm not. I I don't have that mindset. So mm-hmm. it's like I can't. I'm not selling this big dream, and I. Yeah, so I, I can't like make that mistake um, and benefit
0: from that mistake um, in a way. Uh, so I'm just curious, yeah. like how you might approach it with your wisdom. This is like I, I feel like tremendous imposter syndrome here. So take everything I say with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. I, I think what I'd do is I'd I'd walk through like what are possible scenarios um, for you know the outcome of the company. One is yeah, it doesn't really work. It just keeps you know what it is right now. Maybe a little bit of growth, but not much. Another is. It grows, but you know what? I I always do three three of these. I don't know why, but kind of an optimistic, normal, and pessimistic case, and then just say like, how would everyone want to be treated here? Um, and I think it's very reasonable to say in the pessimist, pessimistic case, JD, it doesn't make sense for you to be here. We should not come up with a compensation model that works for you in this case because I'm hiring you. This is actually something I kind of regret with the partners. It didn't matter Two people. We we had six originally, two left, but. Um, something I would change if I could go back is like, it's your job to do this thing. If the co- if, if you're not do- if the company's not doing as well as we wanted, it's at least partially your fault, and you should suffer more consequences for that sort of. Um, but then yeah, if it's if it's an okay outcome, I think you could just say like, let's say the numbers are this, our revenues this. I think we probably need this many employees. Let's say it's this. Th- these are the expenses. What like what do you think, JD? You should get for that. Do you have enough trust with him that you could have that conversation?
1: We've actually already done that. Okay. And what, what came of it? Um, well, I mean, it's, so the way we did it was in a sort of desired outcome driven by his desired outcome financially versus like the business scenarios and then like divvying up the business scenario. So it would be interesting to go back to our model that we built to to do these scenarios and, and say like, let's be realistic about like the actual scenarios now and then, Talk about the have a conversation around like what do you like what do you think you should get because that would be interesting um, because it's not around like whole numbers it's about percentages in that
0: case. I mean, it sounds like you're you're you've already got some constraints. Like you're probably going to do something like a base salary or maybe like a salary plus commission, but something more like an employee getting paid, right?
1: Oh yeah, like um,
0: yes, yeah, but like
1: it's not what JD's market rate would be. If he were going to go get a job somewhere else. So like, how am I compensating for that? That's where this profit sharing comes in.
0: Yeah. So the really classic way to do this, if like, let's treat it like equity, uh, you say the company's valued at a certain amount, what amount below his market rate is he getting paid? Um, what if just take that money and invest it and buy equity with it in the company? How much could it buy?
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: That's the hard thing about that is there's so many numbers you just have to make up, but it's at least maybe. But then, a but then
1: you also have the situation of like, I'm investing money into the company that com- like, I hate, this is where it gets all complicated where it's like, there's also a financial contribution, but I guess that just adds to the pie and yeah. Okay. No, I, I think that's fine.
0: Um, now a nice thing about the phantom stock thing is unlike equity, like, so I, like I mentioned two partners left, I am so glad that they do not have equity now. I um, have to deal with them ever again. Yeah. Now we, um, did have, you, we have.
1: Did yeah. you have reverse vesting set up for that?
0: Yes. So they were. One was here for two years, another two and a half. So the system we have is, uh, they keep getting their payout. Now, when they left, we weren't making enough to trigger any payouts. But if if they had, they would keep getting some payouts that gradually decrease over the amount of time they were with the company. So two or two and a half years, respectively. But we're way past that point now. I, I've read through some of your docs, but can at a high level, can
1: we talk about like? How profit sharing works, uh, how that's divided up against around for partners, um, what percentage Mm -hmm. of, for example, is available to partners from a profit sharing standpoint, that kind of stuff? Yeah. How does it break down?
0: Yeah. So we don't have a good system for being like, what do we call profit? It's mostly just like, at the end of the day, I can decide to pay out whatever I want. Um, Well, I like that.
1: That is actually way better. So you can decide like, we're either going to do a profit distribution or not. And here's how much it is if we are going to do it.
0: And, you know, I think as long as incentives are aligned, that's fine. Where it's like, I can't make any money from this company unless I pay money out. Uh, There's no way for me to get money without everybody else getting money.
1: In addition to your salary.
0: Yes. Um, So your your salary
1: is something separate.
0: Sort of. Yeah. The way we structure with partners is we said, like, let's call $100,000 a year. Or like, if one of us leaves and we need to hire someone else, maybe we can do it for $100,000 a year. That's like probably overly simplistic, especially because like you couldn't hire some of these people for a hundred thousand dollars a year. But um, that's what we said. So, call that salary even before. I mean, originally people were, we were making less. We were making sixty, but it was like we'll keep we'll give ourselves raises until it's a hundred thousand. We're not calling this profit share at all. That's just you got a raise. Um, if you leave, that money goes away immediately because we need to go hire someone else. Anything above that hundred thousand, and again. If I were redoing it, I might pick a different number or be a little more nuanced about it. But this is what we did. Anything above one hundred thousand is profit. So if I want to pay myself more than one hundred thousand, take the amount, subtract one hundred thousand. That's what that's the amount of profit I'm giving myself. Um, and then we have a an even split between partners up to, for the first million of profit, per million per person. Uh, so. If I want to pay myself a million dollars, I have to pay all the other partners a million dollars. And actually, it's 1.1 because it's the $100,000 salary plus the million dollars of profit. And then anything above that, we have shares and and it, like I get more than other people.
1: This solves my problem.
0: I think it solves my
1: I think it solves my problem because um I I don't know exactly how to how, I I I don't Part of my problem is like, I want it to be the it's incentives uh, being aligned. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like, I don't want to set a profit percentage like, oh, we're going to distribute, I don't want to make a decision today about how much profit distribute in the future. Yeah, That was one thing I was getting caught up, cut up on. Like, is it 50% of profits that we distribute after a certain amount of profit? I like, why, why am I making that decision today? Great. Yeah. I don't want to make that decision. So how do we set the, the, the rules so that it's fair for me to make the call and it's all about incentives. If incentives, incentives are aligned, then it takes care of this. So, if profit, you don't say like we're going to do profit sharing. Here's how it's split up. You say if we do profit sharing, here's how it works. Yeah, if, it's not just profit sharing. If we do any distribution, um, in addition to you know salaries, this is how it works.
0: Yeah, it still takes like a little bit of trust. Like the, the reality is, there are a number of ways I could screw over partners. Like someone leaves and it's like, well, you have two years of reverse vesting. I'm just not going to pay myself for two years and wait for you to reverse vest. And then I'll start paying like, yeah, any deal you come up with, there's ways to screw people over. But, um, it, you know, I think it, it at least sets reasonable yeah. expectations about this Sh- stuff. Sure. Yeah. And, and there's some, yeah, I, this was
1: helpful. Cool. Uh, um, so and, and, it's a, go ahead. Yeah, good.
0: Well, I was, I was just gonna say like, You know, when when we came up with this, I was thinking we're gonna be a billion dollar company one day, and you know, making millions of dollars a year per partner is nothing. Now I'm like, I'm never gonna make more than a a million dollars a year. Like I'm I'm at two oh nine right now, twelve years into the business. Uh, But again, so okay, I made a I made a deal that pays the other people the same amount as me. I could like beat myself up over it, but why?
1: This is a mind warp. Um, First of all, thank you for sharing that Um, because I think. I kind of wish, and I've told you this a couple of times. I wish, in a way, that I didn't have your experience with this because then I could pretend I was going to be building a billion dollar business, but I would believe it. You know, like I could, yeah. oh, I could it was sell fun that. Yeah. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but but um, where was I going with this? Oh, like one one conversation that came up uh, with JD and I's weekly check in this week was one of the selling points of leg up health for both of us over the long term is the ability is the seasonality of the business, right? Like. Mm um it's a very seasonal business which if we can m- make work it means we can we work really hard for 4 or 5 months uh, but then we have s- massive flexibility that's awesome um outside of that and the question came up is like was that when does that become available is that today like w- well no because we need to build the business so we're creating this th- business that provides flexibility, but we don't get flexibility today and but those are the types of conversations we're having right now mm-hmm. that are super important because p- p- even though this isn't like high growth startup, it's still building a business, and it requires a level of effort and commitment that is far beyond what what like it looks like once we're where you are today,
0: yeah. That's really interesting and it reminds me of something that I think we should have put more thought into, which is like, what happens if Bracken wants to go part-time? Or what happens if he retires before me? Um, he shouldn't get nothing because like part of what he's getting is mimicking ownership, but part of what he's getting is for the work he's doing. Um, that sounds even more important for you because what if JD wants to take advantage of that flexibility? Before you do, or what's actually happening right now is he's working and you're not really. Uh, and now maybe that's what the salary's for, but yeah, like in the future, 10 years from now, if, if one of you, if you're not fully aligned on that, what happens?
1: So to maybe talk about how, yeah, how do you have that conversation? It's, it's, it's very, yeah, um, yeah, interesting.
0: Now, I, I'm not worried about it at Less Annoying because like over ten years of working together, you build up a lot of trust and it's like, we'll figure it out. And like I've had every opportunity to screw people over and I haven't, so I don't think anyone's worried about it. But like my brother and I at least had this conversation between ourselves about what happens. I don't know what happens with the partners because they don't actually have ownership, but we've we've already been like one of us can quit and keep their full salary. Like at this point, the money we're making, we're we're just working for fun. We we've had that conversation. So yeah.
1: So I think you said it to make any of this work you have to have a level of trust that's really high and the goal of any sort of documentation around this is to sort of buy buy trust that you don't have today so that you can mm. buy the time to to build it for the future when you actually need it for something else um so like that's that's what this is like it's putting something in place to get us to a certain point uh where we'll probably need We'll, by then we'll have the trust that we need to deal with whatever, you know, we, we, we might face in, at that point in the future. I don't know that that came out wrong, but yeah, I think you get the idea.
0: I like that. Although it's, it's easy for you and for me to say that because the reality is you control everything yes, and yeah. JD controls none of it. Yeah. But so that's, that's exactly
1: right. It's like, it is giving a level of control. It is me giving up a level of control. Um, and. in, uh, to 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 establish trust that um, things will be handled in a certain way if the if things go well, mm-hmm.
0: and I something people don't do enough of I think some of this needs to be like a legal contract that you sign that if you breach the contract he can sue you, but a lot of this doesn't. A lot of this could be a, a wiki article where you say here's what I think, you know here are some expectations I'm setting. I'm not signing this. I'm not putting my name up. like I have this less annoying serum where I say. I'm not going to pay myself more than uh 10 times what the lowest paid employee or 5 times what a an experienced employee makes ever. That's it's not it's not signed anywhere but I'm telling you that and like if 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 I'm lying revolt, right? Destroy my company if <laughs> if this is a lie. Uh I think it's fine to do that to set expectations without it being a legal contract.
1: I agree. Um but a legal contract does provide security. It, it makes something more real and there Some are times of it needs to be for yes, sure. Yeah, for sure. And, and w- let's dive real quickly into like that. When, when does it make sense to do it via legal contract versus not? Like, it seems like when you're trying to address a, a, a something that a deficit, um, make up for a deficit, the legal contract is a big deal. Whereas if this is like icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. It's not as big of a deal to paper it. Um, whereas like, so, so when someone's taking a pay cut, um In exchange for something like that's where legal papering would make more sense. So I'm thinking of j d and i situation. um, but like if you know, we're ten years from now and we're adding a new benefit, um, we papering that on top of like everyone getting paid really well is is less important
0: yeah, well, certainly, if you're giving something to someone else that they had no leverage to demand from you, yeah, you don't it's like, yeah, you know. You could not get this, or you can get it. Like you're not really in a position to demand that I sign a contract saying you're going to get it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but another another aspect of it is just certainty stuff you know about. Like even if you're wrong, if you can you can come up. I came up with this. We all get paid the same amount of thing. You could argue whether that was the right or wrong approach, but it needed to be certain. It wouldn't be appropriate to five years later be like, eh, actually, I don't like that. But there's a lot of stuff that's uncertain, and you can just acknowledge that. And, and but still say, here's the plan. Here's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that that's probably not an important point, but it sounds like you're, you probably need to think about this, but you're circling around.
1: You're We're really close.
0: Yeah. You're going to tweak the, t- tweak the knobs a little bit, but similar probably to what, to what we have in some ways.
1: Very, very much. Yeah. And, um, I, my main goal is just like, let's get something in place that lets JD go for full, full time and get some of the resources he needs and then, you know, build trust, execute and, you know, if it doesn't go well, none of this matters. But like if it does go well, I, I, I you know, be able to be in a position a year from now to improve it uh, based on learnings. So uh,
0: one final learning I had or just like a thing to avoid. Um, you're much better with legal stuff than me, so I doubt you'll fall into this trap. When we tried to have lawyers, we, we had a number of uh, three different law firms trying to write this up. Lawyers, same way accounts are in the business of like minimizing your taxes so aggressively. And sometimes it's like, okay, stop. Like you're making my life really complicated and I'm fine paying taxes. Um, lawyers try to screw everyone who's not you. <laughs> uh, like that's the, the business they're in. And we had a really hard time getting a lawyer to write something that was actually fair to, to the other partners. Um, and in particular, like phantom stock is a concept that exists. Other companies have it. And it's real... They have a million provisions in there to like, here's why we're not going to pay you so that the company can always wriggle out of it. And we, we fired our lawyer over this. We were like, you have to stop making this so one-sided.
1: Yeah. I'm probably just going to draft this myself for that very reason. Yeah. I didn't have that kind of confidence, but I think that makes sense.
0: Well,
1: um, anything else you want to cover today?
0: (sighs) No, we're just over an hour here. So this feels like a good stopping point.
1: Yeah. Thanks um, for that advice. And I'm, I gosh, I don't go listen to that episode because <laughs> it was like so painful. Really, two yeah. years ago, you? I feel like we'd hit our stride. No, well, maybe I still sound that way. If it, <laughs> something was different, where I was just like, oh god, I wish I could delete this episode. Um, anyway, uh, personal growth is uh, is good though. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, if you'd like to review past topics and show notes, visit startuplast dot com. See you next week. See you.